Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome back to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. And welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast. I'm your host, Jason. Thank you so, so much for stopping by for this latest chat with friends. And this man, I've had him on the show before. He was on my Every Night is Game Night podcast talking about Sentinels of the Multiverse. And now we are back talking about Sentinels of the Multiverse. <laughs> uh, the, he is the uh, lead designer for that game. He is the person in charge of Greater Than Games, which brings that product to you. And there is, as we speak, we are in the last week of the Kickstarter. Uh, the Kickstarter will end. We're releasing this on a Wednesday. Kickstarter will end on a Friday. So we're trying to get this out for the last push. You know, get them to, you know, greater and greater heights. Even though they don't stretch goals, greater heights are always good. <laughs> um, so uh, this man is Christopher Bedell. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I'm I'm always thrilled. I love it when you do the intro. You're like, ah, we talk about stories and games. We're like, oh yes, I very much care about stories and games. And you're like, and the co-op shop. I'm like, oh, cooperative games. Like that's that's my entire aesthetic. Welcome home, my friend. Bienvenidos a mi casa. That's All right. So absolutely, we are here for stories. We're here for co-op. And I'm a huge set of the multiverse fan. For the podcast listeners, are going to have to apologize for what I'm about to do. But hold on a second. Hold right. on. Hold on. All right. Here we go. Are you picking up? Are you picking up the monolith? Oh, watch. Be careful. Th- don't throw out your back. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so full of majesty. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've got one of those uh, that lives in the, uh, like many people, like many people have expressed to me the sadness, and I, I feel it, it doesn't fit nicely on most gaming shelf setups. No, right. uh, and so I have uh, the the game table that I play games at in my house, and it sits on a side table there. So no matter what game you're playing, it's kind of looming over everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a matter of fact, this one's even worse because I have, well, I gotta catch my breath. Oh, yeah. You you did your day's workout right there. (laughs) Uh, I have this one's even worse because I have Matthew Bishop's uh, fan made expansion. I'm very familiar. 15 heroes. (laughs) So I have all that stuff in there. No sleeves. (laughs) Nothing else fits. But I'm about to add apparently to that box. Oh, man. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, right now live is Sentinels of the Multiverse Definitive Edition. Yeah, which is yeah. what we're talking about. So I'm going to jump right for it. Sure thing. And there is one main question that Sentinels has. And you and I can tell this question in front of your mind. And it is in your updates. And it is in the Kickstarter page. It's like, this game is not a money grab. Oh, yeah. Like that is the I could see it right. like you and you're going over paragraph by paragraph just and I could see the thing that's like and it's like basically this game is Sentinels 2 not a money grab. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, and I try so not go to be, into it. So talk yeah. about like that journey and, and encountering that whole sentiment with the reboot of Sentinels. Right. And, and like I so speaking first and foremost as a fan of things, as a player of games, as an enjoyer of media, um like I get it. I, I am that I have that same level of skepticality that everybody does. That when you see something and somebody's like, "Oh, they're just going back to the same old well. They're doing the thing again." Like, ah, oh, we just get another one of these. I feel like I'm shelling out money for this every other day. And like, fair fair reminder as for, as far as Sentinels the Multiverse goes, we waited. This is and it's, it's it's not that we necessarily waited. It's not like we wanted to do definitive edition. We're like, well, we got to wait for the ten year mark. It was more that we. It's it's been ten years since we released the original game, and Sentinels wow. the Multiverse has 
continued being popular all 10 of those years, which is shocking. Um, but we'll talk more about that in a second. I want to, I want to get back to the, the, the money grab aspect of it. Is, Thank you to the app, by the way, from oh, uh, yeah, the, the app, folks over at Handelabra um, has done a great job with that. Handelabra, yeah. that, that app is amazing. People are like, I still play Sentinels because I played on the app. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like to, to speak to the, to the ethos of a money grab first, um, I run a tabletop gaming company. If I cared about making money, I would do something else. Like if I were really interested in like, I'm going to do right. some sort of job that's going to make me a bunch of money, I would do some other career. Um, before I did uh, this, I was uh, doing high school teaching. I don't care about money. Not that I don't care about like, I obviously want to have enough money to live well. And more importantly, now greater than games now oh, has 20 full-time employees, yeah. which is yeah. Mm -hmm. amazing so i definitely care about the company making money so that it can pay its the employees the last time i interviewed you was like three years ago it was not 20 no no i mean even three years ago 10, yeah i think three years ago was maybe around like 10 11 mm -hmm. 12 um but like the warehouse force uh has grown greatly and we've added even a couple more non-warehouse office people as well and a few more actually in the last few years anyway it's been it's been an amazing journey um but in that like this is we don't we i mean from a purely business mercenary standpoint, of course, as a company, we want to make money. We want to make money so we can pay our employees. We actually recently went through a, a valuation of the value of the company just for like tax purposes and business purposes. And uh, our accountants were like, your company, like, is it worth that much? Because a lot of companies, when you acquire money as a company, then you like pay it out to your ownership or you use it to <laughs> even like acquire stock in other companies. Many companies own stock in other companies to try to build. And you guys don't do that at all. You're like, yeah, no, when we have enough money that we're like, oh, we're making enough money that potentially we could give the owners bonuses. No, we hire more people because we need more people. We need more customer service people. We need more <laughs> warehouse people. We need a social media person. We just hired a social media person about a month ago and they're still getting spun up and that's awesome, but it's, that's what our priority is, is making the company the best it can be, making the games the best it can be, and taking care of the people that work for the company. Uh, over the course of 2020, we were terrified that we were going to you know, have to like completely get rid of our workforce and, and just, just to survive, and we didn't, and that was shocking and thrilling and, uh, and a lot of scary The community really work. stepped up. I think that we realized yeah. very immediately because i remember the first kickstarters that like you know where they were launching in like may of 2020 june of 2020 should we launch should we launch they all funded and because yeah. people were really like okay we have to band together and support companies and you know gamers are generally good at this but like you know it goes back and forth but i really feel like there was a real coming together and a real outpouring of support it's in america we got stimulus and you know we had extra yeah. spending money so like a lot of things came together paycheck protection program helped a lot of small businesses yes. so i think that you know for all you know, I, my channel is pretty is pretty uh, a known, infamous for like critic being critical of where I live, and it's like no, no, I I, I criticize because I love, you know, well, this is I a do, great place, and we came together and we helped businesses just like Chris's. And this is thank you. And this is the thing: is that like uh, speaking of like criticizing places you love, you should people should feel welcome and even encouraged to criticize things as they see wrong. If you see a company and they're doing a cash grab sort of like. Right, rude right. thing that is rude to their customers. Yeah, criticize that. If you live in a country and you're the leadership of your country is making decisions that are harmful to the people that live in that country, you should criticize that. Personally, like not to get super in, in, uh, political, but to get a little political. Welcome I am, to our show. <laughs> right. I am pleased with how the most recent election went in that I am glad that there was a, a, ch a regime changeover. And yet the people that won, I am 
really the next four years is going to be pushing on them a lot. I have written mm-hmm. a bunch of letters and made a bunch of phone calls about like, okay, great. You're empowered. Do something with that. Do something good with that. Do something right, right. better because like, sure. I assume that this new leadership isn't going to make the sort of terrible decisions, but are they going to make good enough decisions? Are they going to make the sort of decisions that actually move us forward? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, it's a, it's a, that's really speaks it's to a, whole, a big part a of mine. Big thing. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, you know, from a business perspective, getting back to like, you know, the ethos of, of money grabs and everything right. pretty clear that you know greater than games is not about the money it needs to make money but it is not about the money or else you would make xyz abc different decisions yeah yeah right right Mm -hmm. we do a lot more we could i mean we i would even say that we did a better job money grabbing with the original sentinel stuff by having regular expansions and then mini expansions and then promos that were hard to find and that was all accidental that was all we're starting we're not really sure well we're going to make these things we're going to do these things on the side what is what is how does any games work and we had to to learn that the the awkward stumbling way which was which was fine that's how we learned now here we are we're like okay that's why we're going to do a kickstarter it's not going to have any stretch goals the stretch goals were the thing that made oblivion be uh like this overwrought super late thing which like we'll speak to and we will we will admit wholeheartedly the things that are our fault many things are our fault we've made many mistakes mm-hmm. over the years so coming into this we wanted to make something that was like from the start we can tell you what it is here's the whole thing holistically it's great it works exactly like we say it's going to work and it's like from the start you know what you're getting um right. and anytime people have questions about like are you doing this are you doing that in this core game we can tell you definitively for definitive edition exactly what we're doing mm-hmm. um are we going to do expansions yes what are going to be in those expansions hold on slow your roll let's get this product out first let's talk about one thing at a <laughs> time um but uh but yeah we want to we want to be above board we want to be clear um Mm -hmm. and the the big thing for me is that sentinels the multiverse was first released at gen con 2011 gen con 2011 a lifetime ago like i was i know i was a different person in 2011 than i am now um and if anybody if i know anybody who feels like they're not a different person than they are than they were in 2011 i would urge you to look inside yourself and, and ask the question of why because it's been a big it's been a big 10 years um and you're and, a young man young designer everything was just you know we're not right. talking about like people like way later in life you've been to gen con 30 years like you know you were you really kind of burst on the scene there yeah gen con 2011 was the first gen con i'd ever been to uh it was the first tabletop convention it was the first convention i'd ever been to like it just wasn't a thing i wrote a game that i wanted to play with my friends uh my friend adam drew all the art in that game um and and adam and i made this product together i rather we even made this game together i wouldn't even say we made the product it wasn't without paul uh, my the third business partner paul and adam and i are all owners of the company and um paul is the person that makes us into like he does spreadsheets and he cares about accounting stuff and all three of us work on all parts of the company but really the three without that cooperative element of all three of us the collaborative teamwork we never could have made this thing Mm -hmm. and we did and we made the best game we possibly could and it was pretty good like the gameplay is fun. It's fun to play. But like, if you look at the art from 2011 version of Sentinels Multiverse and you look at the art in the Oblivion expansion or the recently released RPG that we put out, it's night and day because Adam- Don't has... look too closely at Tachyon. Just as a-, right. as a... <laughs> Yeah. That, that one and I love Tachyon. Yeah. <laughs> I love Tachyon's deck. I love playing Tachyon's deck. I think her art is very evocative of what she's doing, but yeah. it's not good. It's bad art. Adam hates it. The person who's most critical in the world of that art is the person who drew it. Right. He cannot stand it. And this is what kind of launched the whole thing was he was like, okay, what I really want to do we're we, like we do reprints of the game all the time and we're still reprinting the same art and content from 2011 could we just like redo all the arts in the game and re-release it with all new arts is as adam's ask in like 20 late 2018 early 2019 we're like could this be a thing we did 
And we're like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's been out for 10 years. What would a 10th anniversary look like for this? Okay, I mean, we could, yeah, we could redo the art. And Adam and I sat down to redo, to go through the, the, the first hero deck we ever made, which is a legacy deck, and like look at all the art in it. And in the process of going through it, we just like, there were so many things we wanted to change, not because we were wrong in the first place, but because mm. when we first told these stories, when we first made these, this game and these decks and all these components in 2010, when we started making it, we knew everything there was to know about Sentinel Comics. Now it's been 10 years of storytelling right. in that world. In 2017, in January 2017, we, we started a podcast called The Letters Page, which is just all about the the lore and the mythos and the contents and the pages of Sentinel Comics. And, Actually, uh, just to pause yeah, a second, because yeah. because Legacy, right? What an interesting character to put first because he's the buff bot. So like, yeah. if the first deck of character doesn't buff anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just, he's just he alone. A- but like, just to, to get the idea that like, I am making a cooperative game. This isn't like, you know, uh, I'm not going to make an attacker deck who could just right. function on their own and then I'm going to grow a game out of that. Like it was always this co-op buff yep. you that from the beginning and just that indicated that, you know, with Legacy being the first one. We wanted our number one <laughs> flagship, most visible front and center character to be this very, like almost, almost bland character in terms of how white bread he is. But the thing that he does is he supports his allies. Whatever team of heroes he's with, he's right. going to make them better. And he very, he cares little to nothing about the spotlight he doesn't want the spotlight what he wants is to make sure that you are the best you can be and he embodies that and that's true of him as a as a character and that's true of the way his deck works and so you're like okay (laughs) yeah no one of them yeah but the buff buff deck is always something i look for it's great it is it's a it's a fun time and every time people like oh legacy doesn't feel very powerful because he's like not really doing any damage he's like uh or he's doing most of the damage that everybody at the table is doing um so like yeah it's there's those places and just kind of you know this is it's a, it's a great point about legacy that like that's the 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 whole vision the whole lens of the game is in what way are you people playing this game at the table are going to work together to be the best you all can be like you're all cool you've all got cool stories you've got cool cards you've got cool effects and you're not enough on your own and then you can sit there in your own little corner and like do your own thing to work against right. the villain and in many cases you'll make it work but if you especially if you've got a harder villain the places where you're going to shine the places where you're going to win the game is the way in which you coordinate you work together and and really be a team it's always um, been the best part of sentinels it'll never be a one player game or two player, a one character game or two character game it'll always right. be at least three yeah yeah you gotta you gotta have i mean that was one of the things I, it is the mo- one of the most demanded things for sentinels and multiverse is a solo hero mode or a duo hero mode and mm-hmm. i was like okay we built it for three to five heroes that was the intention people really want one or two i spent about two solid months of the definitive edition time working on solo and duo modes and i wrote up a bunch of them and i trashed them and i wrote them up and i trashed them i wrote them up and i worked on them worked on them. i was like this is a thing that people want all the time and mm-hmm. i kept coming back to that very point that you made that you started this off by saying that very thing it's not that the game can't mechanically be made to work with one or two heroes. It's that it's not the story that's being told. It's not the right. point of the play at the table. Is uh, it's a group I'm a of solo people. player. I would never ask for that. I, yeah. I will play three heroes. I want to. I yeah. want that coordination. Absolutely. And especially in Definitive Edition, three heroes. I feel personally when I play Definitive Edition now, which I do a lot, um, it, that the heroes have just as much going on as they used to, but the way that it's communicated and the way that it's streamlined is so smooth that playing multiple mm-hmm. heroes as one person now is a lot more like all your information is much more heads up on the table all your effects are it's really clear where what's coming from where and what it affects like i mm-hmm. 
it's 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 just the best version of sentinels that's right. why it so exists. then it goes back to that idea of like okay why definitive edition is this a money grab uh and then i had to stop you before the call because because you were it was bursting forth from you but you were saying something Sorry. like you know uh, this is my this is our baby you yeah. know like this is my i you know actually go ahead you, yeah i'll you go ahead me, oh, good. give me yeah. the spiel <laughs> all right yeah and it's i I would, I would love to say it's a spiel that i've practiced but i really haven't it's just a thing that it, like i've said it a couple of times to people when they've asked me about this and it's really true that like as a creator, I have to wrestle with the the harsh truth that a lot of creators who had early success experience, um, which is that uh, I the first big thing that I made publicly was Sentinels of the Multiverse. Um, I'd written other things before then. I had made other stories and things before that, but it's the first big thing that I published and put out. Um, and it got to be quite popular right off the bat. And as we added more things to it, as we did more over the years, it got even more and more popular. Um, and like, I am known in the industry for making right. Sentinels the Multiverse. And there is a solid chance that I will never make anything better, ever make anything that is more influential, that is more, more resident, recognized, yeah. that is mm -hmm. more that is a more successful product. That might be it. Sentinels the Multiverse might be, I might've peaked in 2010. Um, <laughs> and like, I know that as a writer, I didn't. I know that as a, as a storyteller, as a game mechanics maker, I didn't. But the thing that I made, the thing that I wrote in 2010 is still the most popular selling thing that I've ever made. So if this game has been out since 2011 and it's been successful since 2011, I feel like I owe it to Sentinels the Multiverse to give it its best shot at being. There's still new people coming to Sentinels the Multiverse all the time. What if they got a version of Sentinels that looked like Definitive Edition looks? That's, that's and so mm -hmm. as a result, I've got three people that I'm, three groups of people that I'm aiming Sentinels Definitive Edition at. There's the people who've never played Sentinels before, who've never heard of it. Of course, I want them to have like any version of Sentinels for them would do because it's brand new to it. But what if they have a version that has really nice art and the story is a lot more cohesive and the gameplay is a lot more fluid? Obviously, that's better. Um, there's a people who maybe played it once or twice in the past um, or like played it at their friend's house. And we're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. Like eh, the art's pretty and the mechanics are a little clunky and there's some fiddly stuff. Too much tracking. Stuff. Too much, tra too much, too much tracking. stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh, minus one uh, lightning and plus one uh, fire and the environment's doing this. And right. It's like, oh, like, yeah. Right. I get it. I don't I don't disagree. I understand that. And so like, OK, what if I can give you a version that solves for that? So that's the second set. The other set is people who love Sentinels and who have all the things. And those are the people that are most likely to be upset with me. And I use the right. word upset very intentionally because I've had people be very upset with me in the last couple of weeks. I've had mm -hmm. I, I posted a, a big post on the Oblivion Kickstarter not to tell people, hey, come look at this, but specifically to say, hey, let me explain why. Let me say why I'm doing this, because I know a lot of people are 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 mad, and I want I want to give you my heart about where this is coming from. You came on this very show, my Every Night is Game Night, which was the old podcast, and I asked you, is Oblivion truly the end? And you were like, yes, it yeah. is the end, the end, the end. Yeah, and 100%. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, and, and I was And I was telling you the absolute truth. Like the truth from that, th that Christopher knew that was the end. And it wasn't until like 20, I was in late 2019, because it, because it, it, even when I told you that was the end, if there'd been a question of like, oh, will you re-release a new art version? I'm like, yeah, but the game's not going to change. The game's right. going to stay the same. Adam will do the art, but this game's no the same. No new characters and no, no new story. No, yeah. right. Everything, like, why right. would I ever add to it? And the answer became when Adam and I were going through the art, and it's like, oh, we could do better. And I, mm -hmm. I never thought that before. I always thought like, oh, sure, like little tweaks here and there, but not like an ostensibly better game. And people, I know there's a lot of people out there who are like, but I love Sentinels, Sentinels is perfect. I don't want you to do, I, I don't think you could do better. And I don't want you to do this because not only do I not want to 
buy this product. Because if somebody doesn't want to buy the product, send them to back to Kickstarter. Great, please don't. I don't like, I'm not personally offended by that. Right. I'm not professionally offended by that. I'm not creatively offended by that. If it's not for you, if you love everything you have for Sentinels and you never want to get anything else, that's fine. I'm thrilled that you enjoy it so much. But if you're like, okay, I don't want you to do this so much. I don't even want this thing to exist. Like, wh- why? Right, right, why, right. why do you feel that level of like, I don't want this thing. And I also want no one else to have this thing. Like, right. I understand not wanting the cash grab. I understand Mm -hmm. not wanting the extra stuff, but this is like for the pureness of the art of it. And and still, yes, it's a product. Yes, I'm hoping to sell it, but I could be making some other product. And I am also making some other products. I'm working on, we are actually chatting over email today. I'm working on writing a bunch of stuff right now. Mm -hmm. Um, RPG. Yeah, right. RPG guy. Mm -hmm. I I have a ton of RPG stuff coming up. I've got other games as well that are coming out. I'm still working on other things, Um, but I... I would always regret it if I didn't. It's the same thing. When we started the company very quickly, the idea is like, oh, we'll do this company thing. And on the side, Adam will have his day job. Paul will have his day job. I'll have my day job. And on the side, we'll do this this game company thing. And within a couple of months of founding the company, it became incredibly clear that at least somebody needed to dedicate their whole person to this or we were never going to, like, it It wasn't going to succeed. And we could be like, okay, well, let's just have it be a semi, like, on the side thing and it's just never going to go anywhere. And I wasn't content with that. Um, Paul had Paul has Paul has kids or was about to have kids actually at that point. I was like, no, you've got to keep doing your day job. Mm -hmm. You can't quit and work for this game company that might not take off. Um, And Adam was living in California dealing with things out there when at the time. But I was like, okay, I'm just going to take six months and quit my job and quit everything and just full time do this game company. Because if I do that and it fails, ah, so be it. These things happen. But if I don't do it, if I don't do it and it ever takes off for the rest of my life, I'll be like, wow, I wonder if that could ever been something. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And so this is kind of the same thing where it's like, <clears throat> if we don't make definitive edition, we just get to watch Def- uh, Sentinels fade into the history as people go, ah, yeah, that game is good, but it's incredibly dated. Okay, well, anyway. <laughs> right, 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 yeah, okay. Okay, so I mean, so that, so again, like as I'm reading the, the as I'm reading all the updates and the, everything, so like, okay, um, you know, is this a money grab? No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, this is for the art. This is for like the best edition of Sentinels. And if anybody who's ever created anything, anybody who like, and this is like, I think this is a universal thing, you know, like you don't have to be a gamer to know this. Like maybe you've created something, you know, a song or, you know, just a piece of art or something where it's like, okay, man, if I had the chance to, to like kind of, do this and, and make it its best self, you know, then that are, you know, who wouldn't take that? And then you're taking it, you're running into this idea that like, there are a lot of people who are kind of burned out on hype and they're burned down, down cash grabs. And like, yeah. so you, so I, so I take it as like, okay, it isn't like personal. There's like a burnout that has happened in the board amongst board games. Is that, is that kind of how you, you know, take that? Yeah, absolutely. I very much see that. And I understand that, but at the same time, the, the 10th year anniversary edition of a bunch of different games do very well. We've every like three to five years, I feel like it is, we get a new version of Twilight Imperium. Um, and, you know, there's new civilization games that are coming out all the time. And, right. uh, but games that have made it 10 years, like it's, it's the opposite of unheard of for 10th year anniversary editions to exist. Um, so uh, I wish that. The other thing is that this year I get to be in the ranks of people putting out a creative thing in 2021 that is a like, I, th- I think for good reasons, remakes of, of, of older things. One of those is the video game Mass Effect. Uh, mm-hmm. In May yep. of this year, we're getting the fully remastered Mass Effect game. And I'm sure there are some people that are like, wait a minute, I bought all the Mass Effect games in the past. Why don't I get this one for free? And the answer is, because that's not how products work. Like people oh, no, still- There are so many people that are like so jazzed to go back into that world. Right, 
Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And so there's that. The other thing, the thing that is really fun to me is uh, a, a particular recording artist just re-released her very first album. Taylor Swift <laughs> uh, just re-put out her first album ever. And I am so excited for her because it's a super cool thing that she's doing. Uh, this is some really inside baseball stuff, but the stuff that she's doing in the music industry with retaining the rights to her masters, her mm-hmm. re-releasing her albums is such a it's such a baller move. Um, yeah, yeah. And- so if anybody doesn't know, again, we, we have, this channel is about going past the the gaming verse thing. So Taylor Swift, uh, I'm sure people have known, you know, Bad Blood and, you know, sure. the different songs that she's had. So like her first six albums were under a label and that label was acquired by another company. And that company is, was a, um, not great. Uh, no. You know, basically, you know, the, you know, the, the mustache twirling capitalist, you know, kind of mm-hmm. image and all kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, not not going to give you the rice, not going to like, you know, but, you know, we retain the rice to sell all your masters, the original copies. So, I mean, so, t- uh, so how she has responded and she tried to respond in different ways. She's like, you yeah. know what, I'm just going to re-record. So I'm going to re-record my first six albums and I'm going to do, um, you know, I'm going to get all the collabs. That, you know, because like you, if you're an artist, you know, but by the time her second third album came out, collaborations and, you know, I'm going to go, even though like I musically, I progressed past this. The, the first ones were very country and then she became, you know, popular, very, you know, mutable art. I'm going back and I'm yeah. going to release this stuff and I'm going to ask my fans to delete all that old stuff because the old stuff is still going to exist. And I'm going to ask my old fans to listen to this new stuff. And if it makes enough money, then this becomes my new master and I can you know, kind of reclaim my you know, my autonomy. I, I think that is fascinating. I think it's so great that she's, I love seeing artists to be able to retain the rights to their stuff. The other thing that's really cool about it is that um, a lot of, like if you would see a song that's used in a television show or a commercial or a movie, um, they usually, they get the rights from whoever owns the masters of those to do right. those. Um, but also in many of those cases, depending on the type of licensing, they have to get permission from the recording artist and the, and the master holder, which you mostly can get. But for the past like four years, she's been refusing rights on everything. Thing. She's been like, no, nobody can use this stuff. If you ask me for permission, no, you can't use it. And now she's put out this new album and she is saying, oh yeah, by the way, I'm allowing people to use these if you want. Use that. Oh, yeah. it's so strong. It's like such a cool <laughs> move. I love it. Okay. So, I mean, so Sentinels is now coming out with the definitive edition. I think right. we've answered that question. Yeah. It, you know, th- this game should exist. There are lots of 10th anniversaries of a lot of different things. Um, th- I think the difference here though. So like if I'm playing Ticket to Ride 10th anniversary, it's basically the same game. Uh, you know, with the with the better components and I could pass if I wanted to. Right. Uh, or if I'm playing, you know, whatever it is, Pandemic or Carcassonne, you know, sure. they, they don't for they don't change that formula. If you want to change the formula, get the expansions here. You're really rebooting stuff. I am. I am. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. and I'm looking at it because, you know, the first time I looked at it, it's like, OK, is it just going to be new art? But then I started reading updates. Bunker is basically a re-engineered deck and Absolute yeah. Zero is basically a re-engineered deck. And I'm like, at first, the first part of me is like, I've spent a lot of money on this thing. Am I going to have to spend more? But the, the second part is Bunker and those two particular, and then you could talk about the other ones. Those were the most like dated decks. And the yeah. hardest to run and the most frustrating because they were so dependent on equipment and so many things remove your equipment. So there's some just like sitting there drawing cards. So I was, I was torn. So like, you know, I just wanted to get your mode. Now we can get it into the definitive edition. Right. Right. And talk about some of those experiences, hearing from people saying the, you know, like their encounters with the old decks and the mechanisms and what inspired you to kind of make some changes. Yeah. So the first thing that was most inspirational to me in terms of making changes, because when we started it, we're like, well, we're going to go through Legacy's deck and Legacy's deck is going to be great and straightforward and simple and easy because he just works. He works exactly right. He does exactly what you want him to do. And so we started going through there and I think we got 
two or maybe three cards in before we're like, oh, well, but we, that like, really, we should change that. And we're like, oh no, we're making changes in Legacy's deck. Nothing is safe. Like if Legacy's deck is going to change at all, then <laughs> anything's up for grabs. Um, right. and, and like, sure enough, every deck had some changes. And the thing that primarily inspired those changes, um, the amount of like, the amount of, uh, painful to play, not that anything is particularly painful to play, but the amount of like struggle, like you're talking about with Bunker, the struggle to play, if that element exists, we're very aware of this. We've been playing this game for a long time now and we're like, ah, you see, yeah, this one, it's just, just clunkier than others. Like, so that's that, an interesting, that that's an interesting a... assumption though, because I think sometimes when you are the creator, yeah, you, there can be some blinders, you know? Oh, of course. I have spoken with, um, you know, I, I've been doing this for a long time, you know, interviewing designers. And I, I sometimes I kind of like, of like, you know, a designer will say something and they, and it's like, I didn't, that's not the issue, <laughs> you mm. know? And, and they, and for whatever reason, they kind of filter out what a, maybe like a, a, from a player's perspective, what the issue is. So like, not all they, that, I can't take that for granted that like, you know, a designer knows that Bunker's deck isn't like, you know, relative to other things or like that. Right. So, I mean, just to kind of like talk about like, you know, have you had those moments of like people coming up to you or is it mostly you kind of know? So a lot of it is we know, but a lot of it is we know because both of we played it and also because people come up in conventions, they're like, oh, and here's the thing. People come up in conventions and say, oh, you know, I really like Sentinels Multiverse, but I don't like Haka. His deck just doesn't work for me. And I'm like, ah, that is a the deck doesn't work for you thing. But when I hear, ah, I just, I love Bunker, but I have a hard time getting him off the ground. It's like, ah, you like it, but it's still not working for you. Like that's right. a different set of information. To me. Uh -huh, uh, but so something is, like I said, in the last 10 years, we've been playing this game a lot. We've also been listening a lot. Uh, I, I try to make as many opportunities for myself to be accessible to people who are playing my games and interested in games possible. I respond to people on Twitter. I hang out at conventions. I, I, I try to do these things because I think that's really important as a person who's making a thing, especially something that is still like actively coming out over the years when we were making original Sentinels and the expansions. Like I was like, I want to know what people are experiencing when they're playing these things. Um, and so I had a lot of information from that. And then as we're going, as Adam and I are going through the ori original decks to make Definitive Edition, um, I'm like, okay, so I know what things I've heard amounts of feedback from. And as you know, I'm very good at talking. I'm very good at saying a bunch of things about this game. And I'm also very right. good at making the game say a bunch of things about itself. Like the game has a lot to say. It's got a lot of text on cards. It's got a lot of things that it communicates to you through the game. So a big important part of this process to me was the very awesome group, um, the very keyed in and aware and uh, passionate group of playtesters that I have. I have playtesters um, that I have on a forum on my website that we've had. And some of these playtesters have been with us since late 2011. Not a lot. We don't have a lot that have been that long, but there are some that have. And there's some that we've oh, gotten. Like, um, like, like Silverhawk? Is that, like was that uh, there was a late, uh, was a, a female gamer from England. Was her name a Silverhawk or Silver? Oh, uh, a Silverleaf. Yeah. Silverleaf. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like yep. Folks like that, that whole like group of right. people. I used yep. to play games online with them. <laughs> like, oh, very cool. It was crazy. Yeah. And they yeah. would, they would come in every once in a while with like, okay, they're working on this deck or they're working on, here's that we're doing a demo over here. It's like, oh, wow. I get to, you know, uh, demonstrate some, uh, some weird deck that's coming out in Oblivion. Great. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is still with you, huh? A lot of them are. Some of them, some of them have disappeared, and it's fun because since we made the uh, the, the announcement about uh, Definitive Edition, which we did in January, because we started playtesting uh, uh, in mid 2020 for this stuff. I don't, we built everything, and then mid 2020 we launched playtesting, and a lot of people didn't come out of the work. A lot of people did. A lot of people didn't. We're like, ah, I'm missing so and so and so and so. I'm not going to be like, hey, where are you? You got to do this. You don't got to do anything. You're you're playtesting. You're doing me a favor. Uh, we announced Definitive Edition in January, and a bunch of people are kind of like, oh, what's this? And, <laughs> 
and they get people showing up and they're looking at stuff and I start to see some some old familiar names of people that I haven't seen in a long time and I'll get to what they said in a second but what the people in, in mid 2020 said the number one reaction when I posted this was that here's what we're doing here's this thing I did a video call with them to 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 be to be able to like tell my whole heart to them and they're like okay Christopher we think you're great we think you're a great designer we think you're a lot of fun you're a great storyteller we don't think this is a good idea we don't like this we're not no why Sentinels is perfect why are you messing with it why are you touching it? why are you doing this like do the art new version fine don't touch the mechanics leave it alone and I'm like right. I hear you and I appreciate this viewpoint however let let me give you all these files let me mm -hmm. give you all these files let me, let me have you take a look at them and and let me know what you think and they came back and they were not like they didn't come back to say, this is great and we love it. They came back to say, okay, we are convinced you should do this thing, mm. but now we've got a lot of work to do. And those next few months were great because I'd be like, okay, this and this and this is what I want to do. And they're like, fine. But like, oh, there's so many opinions, so many opinions flying around from people who have like, I, I value those opinions so much. And mm. there'd be people, times people would say, oh, I think it should be like this. I'm like, well, no, it's not going to be like that. Uh, like I have a direction that I want to go with these decks, but also I want to hear the biggest important thing for me about these is how it makes people feel when they're playing it. Because if I say, oh, when you're playing Tachyon, you should feel like a speedster. And that's one thing I use Tachyon. She's a terrible example. You feel like a speedster when you're playing Tachyon. You do lots of little things and then you have like big payoffs for them. Like mm -hmm. we nailed that feeling from day one. Didn't nail the feeling for Bunker. That's the main problem. So that's a long way around on the story here, getting all the way back to the the what was the inspiration for changing I'm, I'm starting to get to the, the point where it's like okay just let you go you will eventually bring it back home <laughs> you've been doing Sorry. this for a long time my friend it's all uh, good yeah. it's all good uh but so yeah the, the the inspiration for changing bunker was less of a are the mechanics good or not are the story good or not no i know the story is good like and i'm patting myself in the back way i realized but still i know the story is good because i've told stories about bunker divorced from the card game just as like here's a story of a thing bunker does and people are like oh i love the story great so i know the story is good and the, the role he fills in the card game is an important and useful one, but people aren't connecting the story to that role. That right. role doesn't feel like that story. There's the problem. So what I need to do is I need to make a version of Bunker that feels like a guy in a walking tank and he's running lots of subsystems. He's got guns that are shooting, but it's not him that's up there shooting the gun by hand. He has a gun that's shooting because he's controlling it. He's paying attention to his, his switches and his levers and he's driving this thing and he's got, he's got eyes on so many different screens and he knows what's going on. That's who Bunker is. That's what it should feel like. That's what his stories are about. And that's what the deck should communicate. And once we got that happening and play testing and people are like this feels like the bunker that you talk about in stories right. that's a success and now we just got to say okay should this four should this number be a four or a three or a five like that play testing that's the relatively mm -hmm. easy part but the first part is dialing in what that emotional experience is absolutely. when playing a game absolutely so then bunker has been completely re-engineered yeah bunker is a is like he's got some cards that are named the same thing as other cards he's got a flat cannon he's got an omni cannon he's got a grenade launcher sure great he's got his mode cards the modes work very differently but he still has turret mode and recharge mode and upgrade mm -hmm. mode great but it is the the feel and the run of that deck is really different there's one card i'm gonna pull up the document here this is great radio um <laughs> There is one card in his deck that has a flavor text. I quote it all the time because I'm, I'm every so often you write a thing and you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, and he I feel has the same way about my, my video show. It's like, yeah, that was good. I'm going to watch yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the nice thing. It's like, it's important as a creator, like as a, it's important as a creator to be humble and to be aware of like, whether even if you're really jazzed about a thing you're doing you're not sure if your audience connects to it or anything it's also important as a creator to be aware of what you're doing that that, that slaps every so often i do <laughs> a thing and i'm like you know what 
that 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 joke that I wrote may have landed a little bit flat with the audience, but I'm really proud of it. Good, good. Have that have that awareness of what you think Absolutely. your good work is. Um, but there's this one flavor text I just quote it all the time, and so people will love it. Uh, for the card upgrade mode, um, I, I wanted a flavor text that spoke to this very thing, um, and so the quote on it is from Bunker, um, and he's saying, "No, it's not like driving a car. Okay, it's like driving a car blindfolded." with shoes on your hands and also you're late. And like, that's what I want. <laughs> He's like, you're driving the bunker suit. It's a bunch of things you got to manage, but right. if you can do your job, mm -hmm. you're going to have a great time. It's, so. a, it's a massive machine. Mm -hmm. Like you are, like, that's what I've wanted to like, cause bunker is not Iron Man. Bunker, you know, Iron Man, Iron is, Man. Like, is like a, a suit. Like that you are driving a tank that yeah. has all these modes, but then, you know, we don't have to go into the whole thing. Like it, <laughs> it, it, felt, it felt very fun. And I could tell like it developed because like you'd have later characters, like, you know, the power on bunker was draw a card. You know, you, you do the power draw card, there you go. And every, like, you know, down the road, you get to the later characters and they all like draw a card and get plus one damage and draw a card, do this. And it's like, bunker what <laughs> poor bunker so now like the things like that were, were addressed uh, yeah. absolute zero i have to do absolute zero yeah so like he's a character that i love to play he's a character that when he works he's amazing mm -hmm. because you know the feeling of like okay i need to i'm showing up and i need to like you know um and, you know augment myself and now once i augment myself and then i can you know cannot like you know wreck the world the problem was when you couldn't augment yourself You're then you just sat there you, you yeah. really did nothing Right. And this is the thing is, that, so with absolute zero, I considered absolute zero to be less of a design challenge than bunker because bunker I had to get, I don't feel like bunker, like most players never got bunker to the place where his thematics matched his mechanics. Absolute zero, you do, you get right. there. It takes work and it can easily fail. And there's a bunch of weird hiccups, but you can get there. So I just had to do a lot. I, did, I had to do less reworking from the top and a lot of filing off corners for absolute zero. And so like, I'm pulling up that spreadsheet um, <laughs> that uh, like just to give you some ideas. Um, so he has more ways of getting his important cards. He has two cards that are really important. They're the null point calibration unit and the isothermic transducer. Like people that play at absolute zero a lot, get those two names like drilled into their heads. Like, ah, oh, those are the two cards. You got to have those two cards because without those two cards, you die. Your own cards and powers kill you. Okay. So uh, clearly I must have those cards and those two cards still exist and they are still key to get. But you have a lot of new ways of getting them. And on both of those two cards, a really important upgrade was each of them gained a bit of text at the top of them, which the first line of text on both of those cards is, after this card is played, you may play one card. Mm -hmm. And that is such a quality of life upgrade. Because it means if you have your isothermic transducer and your null point calibration unit in your hand, you go, I play one, I play the other, and I play something else. I am firing on all cylinders in one turn. Mm -hmm. If you don't have them, you play one of as many other cards that goes and gets the cards you need, and then you play those cards. So Absolute Zero goes from nothing to himself as you know him to be very quickly. And when he's wiped out, so some villain comes along and destroys all of your item cards, like, oh, that's terrible. Hold on. Ugh. Ah, pain, and I'm back. So, mm. uh, like, you still have to do the work. I didn't want people, like, I was like, do I want these things to be just, like, built into his character card? No, I want the idea, because a yeah. big part of Absolute Zero's story is, oh, no, I can't just operate in the real world because I have this, like, terrible cryo disability that means that I don't, I, I, I don't get to just 
be mm-hmm. do, doing normal stuff. I have to do the extra work. So I wanted the players to do the extra work. And additionally, he has this extra level of weakness that if someone breaks his gear, that's really bad for him. It's not like a, I have a sword. If you break my sword, I don't know. I don't have a sword. It's a, I have a sword that keeps me alive. And if you break my sword, I suddenly start dying. Like I want that feeling in that deck. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got there. And so he has the, the, he more quickly gets that feeling you described of like, oh, I feel like I'm, I'm doing all the things and I'm, I'm taking in the heat damage and I'm putting out the cold damage and everything's going great. Like, mm-hmm. awesome, you get there. I'm asking Ra to shoot me in the face so I can yeah. shoot out. <laughs> Bring me that fire damage. I love a little bit extra fire. It's the, it's the idea of like, okay, Ra's like, oh, I'm going to hit three targets for two fire damage each. And Abzu's right. just like, mm, by the way, <laughs> if you don't mind, it's chilly over here. <laughs> okay. Um, so okay, so absolute, but but that's absolute zero. Is he functional at all without any of the cards? Or yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, he's got stuff he can do without them. But one of the main things he can do without them is get them back, get them quickly. Okay. So like, sure, you could be like, okay, I'm going to do this damage. I'm going to do these things. Um, but like, because I wanted to make sure that yes, he's functional without them, but he is. He's a, he's a little bit more afraid of the world because he should be without his without the piece of his, the soup piece of his suits that keep him alive. He does need to be a little bit more concerned. He can still do things, and I think that the the thing that got us there in terms of feeling for him was when we put out the termination promo for him. The termination promo was based on the idea that he's outside of his suit and he's like just covered himself in the ice that he can make with his own power and he's going to go fight without having the suit just with having mm. the ice. And this was this very dangerous like high risk high reward variant where you played him and you're like okay well I, maybe i don't need to necessarily go get those things i'm just going to be really dangerous to everyone including myself mm-hmm. um so like okay what if we can duplicate that feeling of like when you're outside the suit you're a threat when you're inside their th- suit you are se- you're yourself are no longer one of the targets of that threat so right okay interesting uh those are the two that stuck out um as like almost like you know quasi broken without like you know certain things happening but everybody you know and so you have 10 characters Right? Is that 12, 12 heroes? 12 heroes. Wow. Yeah. So then, because <laughs> the original core game had 10 heroes, right. which it was the Freedom Five plus Fnatic, Haka, Ra, Visionary, and Tempest was in the original core game. Okay. And in this core game, you've got the Freedom Five plus their intern, Unity, who was a mini expansion before us, a sold alone, standalone deck. Now she's part of the core game because she's she's very important to the Freedom Five stories. She should be in there with them. Um, and then you have the Prime Wardens, who the Fnatic. Tempest and Haka are on the Prime Wardens, and they were in the core game before. But now we add also Argent Adept and Captain Cosmic to the core game to round mm-hmm. out the rest of the Prime Wardens. And then we still have Ra, who was part of the core game four, because Ra is a frequent ally and friend of the Prime Wardens. Now, as a result, since we've added a number of heroes to get to 12, we also removed one, Visionary. Visionary is not mm-hmm. in the core game anymore. Uh, we, there is an expansion she's going to be a part of. I have no doubt that we'll get there, especially given how well Definitive Edition stuff is going now. Um, but when we looked at the stories, we're like, ah, Visionary is not really part of these stories as much. We wanted to really thematically tie everything together better than it ever had been. Mm-hmm. So, so those are the so, 12 okay. heroes. So then, um, so that that's a, the other part of what my concern was. So like, yeah. you, could, you can have a, a Definitive Edition, right? And so like, let's even allow that. But are you, is it going to be like every character that's been released, every villain that's been released, are they going to get the definitive treatment? Am I going to buy a whole new suite of Sentinels to replace this, my own set? Right. And this is, this is, this is the question uh, that you have to answer for yourself is, are you going to buy a whole new suite? Because we're 
<clears throat> excuse me. Uh, we are going to re-release every hero, every villain, every environment that has ever made, been made in the past for Sentinels the Multiverse in a Definitive Edition product. Our plan is we have the one core game that's got 12 heroes, six villains, and six environments. And then we have five expansions. We don't have a bunch of mini expansions. We don't have a bunch of mini promos or variants or other things. Everything's going in a big box, including all of the variants, including all of the, uh, like, ever every other little special thing we've ever made. Those will all be repurposed and put into the box. We'll have these five boxes, and each box will have a pile of heroes, a pile of villains, a pile of environments and some other things too like the events that we're introducing here in the core game um and so like if you want if you like definitive edition if definitive edition proves itself to you to be worth it enough that you want to go down that road we aim to have a series of products that you can just pick up the the straightforward simple yes here's the box it has everything it has everything of this next set in it and we're going to get again to that point of like okay these are everything that's out and it's all been retouched because I, I'll, I will be, we've talked about things that uh, people say that designers could have blinders about. Uh, I have no blinders about the fact that people just don't really enjoy Oblivion that much. They're aware that it's a mm. big, cool fight, but it's like a four to six hour game. What? Like for me, it takes me about three hours, but I'm also aware that like, I know the text on every single card. So it's just not mm -hmm. fair. Um, people enjoy the vengeance mode, but not as much as regular Sentinels. And if we're going to bother playing a game of Sentinels, why don't we just play regular Sentinels? Why are we playing vengeance mode? Okay, well, what if I, and I already have the ways I'm going to do this, it's great, but what if I rewrite those modes to where you still get the same feeling of the point of vengeance mode is you're playing against a team of villains, with a team yeah. of hero against a team of villains. How can I, can I replicate that in the game without creating something that feels like a slog, that feels like a, this is a setup and teardown nightmare? With Oblivion, can I give you a big multiverse ending event that feels like all of the things you've ever done have come to this one moment, and it's going to take everything you've got to win, and it's big, and it's important, and it's serious, but it doesn't demand you to sit at a table for 46 hours mm -hmm. and look at 16 different things at once, and the tracking is, like, augmented to, like, all of those different things. I'm a, I have heard... All the complaints, and some of the complaints that I've heard through the years are, I don't like the fact that the card text is in Comic Sans, to which I say, the card text has never been in Comic Sans. I would never use Comic Sans in a card game. <laughs> I'm not a monster. Papyrus, I'll use Papyrus all day, but not Comic Sans. Just kidding. But um, but so, so, so there, I, there's some complaints. There's some complaints for people like, oh, I don't like how Argent Adept, one of his instruments is called this, but I think it should be called this from a historical standpoint. It's like, great. Those are complaints that I hear and I say, I appreciate that you're playing the game so closely that you're paying attention to these things and you like them. Um, that's different from the complaint of like, man, I really, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to enjoy it, but the game itself is keeping me from enjoying it because it's it's just, it's too clunky. It's too weird. It's, it's asking too much of the player. I'm like, great, please give me the opportunity to solve for all those things. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the, that's, that's where I'm coming at here. So yeah, I'm going to rebuild everything. And yeah, I know that there's going to be people who are like, oh, I have to rebuy everything. So the answer is like, no, you don't have to rebuy everything. But my hope is that I make something that like you're going to, you want I, to. when I say you, you want when I, yeah, when I say you, I mean anybody who's interested in this game, either someone who's been playing it for a long time or someone who's brand new, you are presumably going to buy some games over the next six years. If you spend if you buy one of those games over the next six years, each year being one of these Sentinels expansions, I hope that I can prove to you that it's worth it. And if I can't, if you're looking at it, you're like, oh, I don't know, this expansion doesn't look good to me. Oh, great, please. By all means, don't buy it. But if I can convince you, mm -hmm. again, not for product purposes, but because I think I'm making a holistically true version of the multiverse story. Mm -hmm. So everything. So like, you know, everything from, because I mean, some of the, I mean, Oblivion was not that long ago, right? Uh, so do you say that? Oblivion was kickstarted five years ago. 
So it was five oh, years. Right. Wow. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So right. Like I agree. Oblivion wasn't that long ago, but the amount it of time last it, it didn't you know chip like maybe uh, two years, years ago, ago. Right. Three mm-hmm. years ago. Three years ago. Oh my god. <laughs> right. So that's the thing. Is that like yeah, I right. agree. Okay. Oblivion just happened. But it happened Three years, years ago. It is, is a decent amount of time. And by the time mm-hmm. that Oblivion is coming out, uh, the Oblivion content is coming out in uh, the Definitive Edition, it will have been, I think, eight or nine years since the release of Oblivion. Mm. So, yeah, no, I agree. It does feel like it just came out, but it didn't. Right. Like, <laughs> I guess so, in, in, the, in the sense of like, you know, so I think like a, a stuntman. You know, right. or, um, you know, some of the heroes like they're like you like the obvious growth in the making of the character, like th- those characters are just like better, you know, objectively it's certainly just, smoother. And the, yeah, smoother. And the, yeah. And the trick is the smoother play results in feeling more powerful because instead of spending your time, this is a big thing I did with Sentinel's Definitive Edition. And this is not just heroes, this is also villains, this is also environments. Mm-hmm. It's, again, the feel of the play. If at the table you feel like you're fiddling with cards, if you feel like you're dealing with modifiers and tracking things, you don't feel like you're being a superhero. That's one of the reasons that Tachyon, being the, Tachyon and Ra from the first set, people feel awesome about Because with Ra, you're like, I burn it, I burn it, I burn it, I burn it. Ha ha! Complexity one, fire, fire! <laughs> right. And, with, and even with Tachyon, you, like, you, 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 feel, you see your grand plan unfold over the course of the game. You're like, oh, I'm going to do a lot of little things. Like, what are you doing? You're just doing some little stuff? You're like, yeah, just doing some little stuff. Check me back in like three rounds. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, right. So that's like that feeling of tachyon feels great. What if people had this thing where they feel like, hey, guys, we're working as a team. We're helping. And also, little do you know, I'm working on a cool thing on the side. I want everybody to have the opportunity at least a couple of times over the course of a game where they get to look at the other players. And say, hey, guys, hey, guys, hold on, hold on. I know you're looking at stuff your turn, but look at this. I'm about to do this and this at this and like that moment of getting to exult in the time you had at the table and the other players because you're playing a cooperative game and you're all working towards the same end get to go oh my gosh that's so great that's so awesome and you're all rejoicing in your shared triumph like that's those are the moments that i want to capitalize on less mm-hmm. of the hey uh if i played this does this happen before or after that thing like in any game you're going to have those questions in any game you're going to have those mechanics because you're doing a, a physical tabletop game and so somebody has to be able to answer those questions when you're learning it but what if i can minimize on those interactions and maximize on the let's feel like we're telling a four color superhero story right here on the table so. okay and so i i mean i imagine that you've gotten the you know the the feedback from the playtester group and like, you know, the hardcore fans about not just the definitive edition, but like the idea that you're really releasing everything. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. still, it is still kind of processing. And at the end of the day, I guess the market will decide, you know, right, exactly. Like, That's the thing is if we put out the, if we put out this core game and people love it, great. And then we put out the expansion and people are like, wait more, are you going to do that? Like we'll stop certainly. Um, but I will say the, the people that were like the playtesters that were the hardest to convince that did, that were immediately against it early on. And it's one of the sections I have on the Kickstarter is testimonials from playtesters right there on the, on the main page of the Kickstarter. And I've heard some people in the comments, I've seen some people in the comments say, Oh, you've got testimonials from your playtesters, but of course they like it. I'm like, Oh, I don't think you understand. They hated it. <laughs> they were so mad. They did not want this. To, I put this up here because these are my harshest critics. These are the people that have a direct line to me. They can reach out to me any time of day and I'm going to see their messages. Even if I don't respond to it immediately, I'm going to see it and they mm-hmm. can say christopher the thing you're making it's bad and it's stupid and you should feel bad and it works i do feel bad um and so like they have that power and i and i, I have absolutely played with it. these people since those used to have play every, every like, tuesday or something we you know this was before even like discord like you know you know we would just play i think it was like on a google doc that we would play or something sure. like that or like through a google doc because they because people would like you know, make spreadsheets and everything and these people are like they are 
like they're super fans obviously right um but that's the thing like they're super fans so they're super fans of the first edition Right, you know, right. And I had to prove it to them that this was worth it. And right. now the, they, the the Discord that they're on, because I have a Discord for the, for them, um, they uh, cannot stop talking. <laughs> they're like, Christopher, when is the new stuff? When are you getting? When are you getting stuff for the new expansion? I'm like, I, I, I'm giving you some. I'll give you more soon. We're already starting playtesting on on the expansion that will come out next year. Uh, and uh, they're like, more, give us more. They're so into it. I've, I've the fact that I converted them. The fact that the that definitive edition converted them so thoroughly and so deeply really mm. leads me to believe that this is the right choice. This is the, thing. the other thing that leads me to believe that this is the right choice is that for all of the negative comments, and the negative feedback that I got when I posted on the Oblivion Kickstarter, which like you said, Oblivion feels like it was just yesterday. So when I posted an update there saying, hey guys, we're doing this definitive edition, I got a bunch of vitriol and I invited it. I asked for it. Like truly, I, I knew what I was walking into. And I stayed in the comments the rest of that day answering questions as they popped up. Um, and even that said, though there was a very vocal few dozen people that were very upset and that could not be consoled and that referred to the thing that I was doing as a slap in the face to the Sentinels fandom and the board game community, strong words, very well. They felt that way, and I'm not here to tell them to not feel that right. way. But for the number of people that felt that way, a far larger number of people silently, without comment, went over to the, uh, to the Definitive Edition and, uh, Kickstarter and backed it, which I did not ask for. I was not there to be marketing. Right, right. I was there to say, here's, where, here's why we're doing this thing. And me saying, here's why we're doing it, was persuasive to a large number of people that we could see the, the numbers of them coming over. Mm -hmm. So like that to me tells me that the thing we're doing here does have an audience, is resonating with its fans. And yes, it's going to take some convincing. And honestly, I don't mind that. I like it. I like that people are not just like blindly buying anything I make because like I said, this is this is my life's work, right? So if I make it, people just go, oh, cool, cool. Yeah, we'll buy it. Sure. And then they don't care. Eh, that's one thing. But if they care this deeply and then we'll see this fall, if people play it and they like it and they're into it, cool. That tells me I've, I, that I, yeah, I've got, I still got it, you know? <laughs> right. Um, so then, so the most difficult ones you mentioned before were villains of the multiverse, uh, yeah. or like the team setup. Right. And I remember, like, because I remember that that was you know there the whole time. Like, you had the first vengeance box, and like you know, wow, this is so cool and everything. But wow, that's a lot of tracking. And right. then the villains came out, and it's like, okay, uh, less tracking, but oh man, there's still a whole lot of stuff. Like there was a lot of but but you know. And then Oblivion came out, yeah, like a lot, lot of but but but. How many environments? You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. you know. So like. Is that all getting yeah. is that all getting re-engineered, you know, from the ground up? Is that all like am I is it gonna be a, just a completely different experience? Let's just like uh, you know, forget everything that I ever knew type thing, or is it just gonna be like the same thing but tweaked and kind of you know reworked a little bit? More like the first thing than the second thing, more like a completely new experience than what you knew but tweaked. Because the thing that I would say is that honestly, when a game of Vengeance or Villains of the Multiverse style play when you're playing against a team of villains as a team of heroes. Um, I've played many of those games. I mean, we wouldn't have put it out if we couldn't get to that point. We got to that point, but it was just too, still too arduous. But many of those games, when you play them, if you're willing to get up the fortitude to get it on the table and play it, they can feel awesome. They can feel this super cool thing of we're all working together, but oh no, so are they, and they've got their synergies. And like that, that clash can feel amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and same thing I feel with the Oblivion scenario, that when you play the Oblivion thing, oh man, it's this big, long thing, and it's this ton of work. But if you're willing to get a group of people who are up for the challenge, and you spread it all out, and you pay attention to the battle zones, you do the thing mm -hmm. by the end of it you're like we did it we <laughs> saved the multi like that was it that's the whole that's the whole shebang we saved all of reality right mm -hmm. there and it felt like a fight for all of reality great those experiences i'm not looking to change those experiences 
I'm looking to give people those experiences in ways that don't have all of the he bet hedging that I just had to do. When I said, oh, well, you do this and do this, and then you have the experience. What mm -hmm. if you just got to have the experience? And it, you had to do or if you, you had have a hard like the, fight. Like the, like the belt tightening. It's like, okay, I'm going to get into this. And it's right. like, okay. I'm gonna, and, and you don't want to, you don't want people to feel that way for a game. Yeah, right. You want people to be like, oh, this game's going to be hard. Hard doesn't mean logistically challenging to put the things on the table. It means, right. oh, the villain's going to kill us. Like, that's a different uh, different definition of hard. I want hard to be, this could be scary for our characters, but it's not psychically painful for the players. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's that's the story, right? And, you know, and it's like, take it or leave it, the market will decide. Right, yeah. You know? and, and, and if people ultimately aren't into it, ah, so be it. Uh, I am... Like I said, I'm in, I'm I'm convinced, and I am uh, dedicated to making this to putting this out in the best way it can be. Uh, that the way that I wish that I could have put it out in the past, but I did not have the experience, and I definitely didn't have the resources. Um, I mean, as I mentioned, we have a lot more employees in our company now, and we uh, like we've got amazing graphic designers. Ray, uh, so Ray Henderson, and uh, Daryl Louder are both doing a ton of amazing graphic design work for this. Mm. Which, if you've seen the Kickstarter, you've seen the cards look better just like everything looks so crisp adam's sure. art he's doing amazing art for it. like there's so many things the omni cannon we... is i my seal oh, approves on the on the omni cannon oh yeah like it, it looks it, it tells the story of like okay this isn't just like a bigger gun like no i'm turning <laughs> my suit into a gun now right. right yeah and it's it's the uh it's just things that like had we known in 2010 what we know now which is impossible for so many reasons right. uh we would have uh as a world had better public health options and also we would have made a better game uh <laughs> with sentinels the multiverse and i am now trying to say well i can't do that first thing but i can do the second one right so. okay and uh will you be adding characters or will there be new characters will there be new stories told there will certainly be new stories told because one of the things that we're introducing that's brand new with the core game that uh, on Definitive, which it's already part of the core game of Definitive Edition currently on Kickstarter, um, is events. There's event cards. And event cards, there's one event card for each villain um, and one critical event card for each villain. So events are telling a specific part of the story. So... More good radio. Yeah, right. <laughs> listen right? to podcast. Uh, Chris just turned over to the computer yet again. The event cards... Well, are these go. cards? Oh man, this is a uh, this is the first. This is the first yeah. for uh, <laughs> for short right. stories. Here we go. <laughs> so it tells you the name of the event. It tells you the date the date the event came out. Mm. Um, it gives you some story about what's happening in this event. The event that we're looking at is called Moonfall. It's it's the event in which Baron Blade tries to pull the moon to the earth. Which of course his deck is about that. But this is a specific event in comics of what comics uh, told this story. So you can see here that we're looking at Moonfall, the name of the book. It shows a comic book cover. It says Moonfall number one, and this is going to be a story. It tells you the villain is Baron Blade. It says over here collection limit zero. What is that? Who knows? Don't worry about that for now. Um, and it gives you an, <laughs> it gives you a mechanical effect, which is just a slight mechanical effect that slightly changes the game when you play it. Mm -hmm. When you defeat the event, you then flip the card over and it's turned sideways, but it's, which is not a problem in the tabletop thing. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do that. Yeah, uh, oh. no, here. There we go. Uh, you, you flip the card over and it tells you the story of what happens at the end of the event. So it's giving you that story stuff. It tells you what comic books this event took place over uh, and it shows you a cover of one of the ending uh, bits of the story. And so cool, you get some story, you get some event. It also gives you a collection over here on the side, which is a mechanical effect that you can use 
um, in a future game. So remember how on the front side of the card, it said there was a collection limit, it said collection mm -hmm. limit zero. Other events that you play in have higher collection limits and you can use one of these collections. So this just gives you two different effects, um, both of which are things that you have learned from the course of playing through this event. Uh, so that is, I can go back to the way it was. Yeah, cool. So that is that event. So that's the regular event for Baron Blade. The critical event for Baron Blade Gives you another event cover, but it says critical event at the top. It says mad bomber blade. Mm, I wonder what that mm -hmm. is. Tells you the date that happens. Gives you some story. Shows you a cover. It says collection limit one. Tells you how many collections you get. And then when, but it doesn't tell you anything about how to play the game. And that's because the critical event cards, regular event cards on the front, it tells you, hey, play a game against this villain. These are the rules you're using to play this game. Slight mechanical change that just makes the story feel a little bit better. The critical events say, all right, you're playing against this villain. Great. You do the th You read this information. Then you flip the card over. And when you flip the card over you get a different character card for that villain. Why, look, it's Mad Bomber Blade, one of the variant versions of Mad mm -hmm. Bomber, of, of Baron Blade that we put out in the past. Um, and they, th this is a different way to play him. It has your setup instructions. It's got your game rules and you play it against this villain. Fantastic. Um, and this is where your these villains are scary and hard. And so it's good to have collections, those collection bonuses from regular events of this. So mm -hmm. we've done this where each villain has a regular event and a critical event which means that you're going to see new events where there's like, sure, for, you could probably guess if you've been following along that the critical event for Omnitron is Cosmic Omnitron. Right. Sure. Great. Awesome. That's cool. That's, that's awesome. We've seen that before. But as I mentioned, there's six villains in this core game. Uh, those six villains are Baron Blade and Omnitron. You also have Citizen Dawn and Grand Warlord Voss. And you have Akash Buddha and the Matriarch because both of them are connected much more to the stories of the Prime Wardens and the Freedom Five. And mm -hmm. even they have critical events, which means we're going to get into seeing uh, versions of villains that have never been seen before. Um, it's, it's brand new villains with story, uh, brand new versions of villains uh, for stories that haven't been told before within the game of mm. Sentinels of the Multiverse. So uh, yeah, so that's a, that's a whole thing. So lots of new stories. Will there be new, like completely new characters? Mm, man, you keep, you keep whether, going back to this question. Um, <laughs> well, whether, I mean, whether heroes or villains, because like, I mean, again, I'm, it, it's, I'm just thinking of like, in terms of a Sentinels fan, they're like, okay, right. how, you know, yeah. looking at the precipice going, look at their old collection going like, wow, am I going to have to just sell this or? Right. Well, I mean, so I'm, I'm certainly not going to sell my original edition um, just because if nothing else, I, I still enjoy playing it and it still has a lot of good stuff in it, but that's, it's each their own. That said, uh, so the core game, definitive edition of core game, like I said, six, 12 heroes, six villains, six uh, environments, sure. that's all set. None of that's new content. Right. Future expansions can and we'll will. See have okay. new content. Oh, no, I'm not even saying we'll see. I'll say, yeah, I'm saying yes, that okay. future expansions will have some things here and there. And a, a bit of that's coming from the idea that um, not every hero in the past had their own unique nemesis. Uh, okay. Like Bunker shares a nemesis with a couple of the characters, things mm -hmm. like that. And uh, that's one of the things that we want to, that we want to seek to correct is to kind of build out the ranks a bit so that um, everybody's story is as complete as it can be. Okay. So, so yes, right. there will be more stuff. And I know that some people are going to be like, no, more stuff. But like, <laughs> yeah, more stuff. Sorry. Sorry. The market will decide. Right. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I am, 
as long as you're being transparent about it, like you're, you're, you're it sounds, and that's part of the reason I wanted to have you on a pod, yeah. uh, just to, you know, for that sake of transparency, it's like, what am I getting into when I back this thing? Uh, is it just going to be like the one set and then I can just like merge in everything? It's like, uh, you know. And the answer is like, as for you, dear, dear Sentinel, and for you player out there in the world, for you, Mr. Consumer, you are welcome to buy as many or as few of the definitive edition sets as you want. I intend to make all the way through Oblivion and, you know, we'll, we'll see what new things happen as the course of that. Because when I put out the first expansion, if people respond really positively to a part of that I didn't expect or really negatively to a part that I didn't expect, I'm going to let that, I'm, I'm going to keep doing the thing that I've been doing since I started and that I did a lot through playtesting, which is I'm going to keep listening. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's very important for a creator to do. So, right. yeah. All right. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> we know what's next. <laughs> Usually I, I end the podcast on that, but we know exactly what's next. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So like, I mean, the, 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 the project is going to end and, you know, as, it, as I release this, it'll end in a couple of days. So, so are you, is this coming out on this coming Wednesday? Uh, next Wednesday. Oh, the 21st. Yeah. So you guys yeah, are ending on the 23rd. Right, right at the end. Yeah. We're ending around the 23rd. Yeah. 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 yeah so like, uh, and so it'll just be, uh, right, we're right in there for that, for that, that last stretch run, because that's what the Kickstarter, went. that's what happens with yep. Kickstarter, right? Right at right. the beginning, right at the end. Um, so then, you know, and that's what's going to happen. And then we'll see what, and like, you know, the mark will decide, you get the feedback. And then, right. you know, uh, at the end of the day, Sentinels is, 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 an, is an amazing game. Um, you. Actually, you know what? We're going a little bit long, but why not? I have you. And I really want yeah. to ask this. So in the, um, as Sentinels was developing, we got another superhero card game mm -hmm. that has a lot of characters mm -hmm. and has a giant company behind it that yeah. is shooting out characters and scenarios and all time. I'm talking about Marvel Champions LCG. Yeah. And the very first episode that I did to cover Marvel Champions LCG, I compared it to Sentinels. And obviously, like, I'm not a deck buildery guy. So it's like not really meant for me. I like the fixed decks, I like the store, tells better stories for me. So then I was a Sentinels guy, but I know a lot of people. Kind of like okay, you know, I don't want you know, I'm gonna move on with Sentinels anymore. Now this is the, this is a superhero card game for me. Sure. Have you? Is that something that you are also kind of in play, or is it like, eh, I have enough of a fan base, I don't have to worry about it. I'm never ever in my entire life going to be able to compete with Marvel as an IP. You know, like there's nothing that could happen that would make Sentinels a bigger IP than Marvel in my lifetime, and. I am aware of that and I have no problem with it. Uh, there's a bunch of people that will just sight unseen buy a game with Marvel on it just because it has Marvel, whereas that'll never be the case for Sentinels. However, um, I'm not, and I'm not saying that people that buy Marvel Champions are buying it because of Marvel and no other reason. It's a great game. It's a great game and people really enjoy it. And I, I love that. I like, I'm not, we're, we as an industry don't spend a lot of time wringing our hands about, do we have enough games about uh, trading in the Mediterranean? Uh, and yet so, uh, people are like, oh, there's, uh, there's, there's two other superhero games out there. Are you worried? I'm like, no, I'm excited. I love superheroes. I made Sentinels Multiverse because I like superhero games. So like, yeah, give me more superhero games. That said, for me personally, and like, I'm not here to, to trash any other games. Cause like I just said, I like the game. It's a good game. It for me isn't about, it doesn't have the same level of story. It is like, oh man, you're playing this game. These things are happening, but it doesn't tell you a story at the table in the same way that Sentinels does for me. Um, and I know for some people, they really enjoyed the story of it. And that's great. But because it's a little bit more abstract. I think even the people who the enjoy building, Marvel Champions, they're, they're saying like, no, we're not doing this first story. I'm doing this because I want to play this character. Yeah. I want to explore this mechanism. Like if you, if you right. want the more story stuff, you're probably going to go to our Sentinels. I guess I'm I wondering, so. did you notice like, you know, cause you see the numbers, you see, you yeah. know, like you see what's happening. Did you notice like, you know, that there was an impact there? It's like, oh, wow. Now people are not really. No. 
No, no. So the, the, the thing that impacted Sentinels far more than that, which we'd already been feeling before Champions came out, um, was um, the age of it. Was people like, oh, well, this right. game's been on the market for a while. It's been around for a while. But um, we didn't see like an, a, 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 a projected amount of sales suddenly drop because of Marvel Champions. Right. The, the meteor didn't land or whatever. No, yeah. no. It was like, the, it was Sentinels, like I said, it's still popular, still selling. And like in 2020, we sold a bunch of core games, Sentinels the Multiverse. Um, we are no longer doing that anymore. It's now out of print because if we're going to make definitive, we don't want to be selling competing products. Like that's bad for the market's bad for us. Sure. No, nobody wins. Um, but uh, we, we, like that we continue seeing sales of the game, but sure, certainly sales, sales of core game of Sentinels the Multiverse um, in 2019 and 2020 were worse than they were in 2017 and 18 because the game is, is old and it's been, it, it, it's not just old in that it's run its way through its target audience. Of course not. Like it hasn't begun to tap the depths of how many people it could be sold to. Um, like I've sold hundreds of thousands of copies of Sentinels the Multiverse core game, but it could be sold to far more people and far more markets. It's never been a game that's been on the shelves in Target. It's never been on a game that's been on the shelves mm. in Barnes & Noble. Am I shooting for those things? Like, sort of, yes, but I'm not building the game for that because Target and Barnes & Noble is like smaller games than the size of the game we're making for. Like, is it, we, we work with Target and Barnes & Noble on various other games, and they're like, oh yeah, we like seeing any games that are of a certain size or smaller, a certain price or lower. And we're like, ah, we're making the Sentinels Definitive Edition. They're like, that's too big and too expensive. We're like, yeah, we know. It's not <laughs> for you. If you want to buy it, you can, but eh, I'm not really worried about it. But point being, I know that we haven't exhausted our potential market. But the thing that we see more and more about people not buying it is not that, oh, there's something else I want to play more. It's, ah, I look at it and I go, I don't know. It doesn't really stand up to what I expect out of a modern game. And that's not the fault of the core mechanics. And from my opinion, it's not the fault of the core mechanics of Sentinels and Multiverse. It's the presentation, it's the trappings, and it's the sort of corners that need to be ground off of it like we did for Definitive Edition. Uh, for Definitive Edition. All right. I have kept you on here a long time. You are working on an RPG over there, but thank you very, very much for your transparency, for your enthusiasm. Uh, I actually just emailed you yesterday and here you are yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, no. So, <laughs> I mean, I know you're doing the press thing, but like, you know, it's it, making the time for a podcast and, you know, it, it, it's the one cop stop co-op shop. So like that, the, our audience is like, it's right in here. Yeah. You know, they, these are the these are the folks who are, are really concerned about it. Uh, we love Marvel Champions, but it's like okay, you know, there's a little bit of a war going on, but yeah, there's nothing well, nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong. Yeah, like I said, I also war. love Marvel Champions. The thing that makes me feel like I'm not just fighting with Marvel Champions um, is that uh, a lot of people said they really enjoy Marvel Champions at lower player counts. That it's right, really right. fun at one. It's really fun at two players, mm -hmm. um, and that the more players you're getting, it's not as good. And so my hope is that people can find it in their hearts to love both and that when they have one or two players they play marvel champions and then we have three four or five players you play sentinels and multiverse and then if you're like oh no it's game night and seven people showed up great you can play both games at the same time just break into two groups there you go mm -hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> this was mr chris Bedell of greater than games thank you very much for uh, spending that an evening with me my genuine pleasure thank you if you can change your mind you can change the world so until next time later everybody Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop. Or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list.